This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Quarter Block Party Coordinator, Southern Hospitality Board Member and one third of Morning Vales, Ashling O'Reardon. <laughs>
would be the first to say I ain't jealous, but it's a man who's haunting me. Secretly clouding my judgment against you, I guess it's healthier for me to cherish yourself, sister. Close to me now, but barely touching. And stay patient enough to make me wanna make you wanna make me wanna make it, baby. I like the way that you tease it out. Don't give up this pace. I don't wanna doubt you. Micro Disney with Leper taken from the Queer Groove Volume 1 compilation released earlier this year via All City Records and Shukra with brand new single Don't Wanna Doubt You. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie as well as iTunes, Google Podcasts and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien and for the next hour or so we're going to be chatting in studio with Quarter Block Party Coordinator, Southern Hospitality Board Member and General Pillar of Cork Music. Ashling O'Riordan. Ashling, how are you? Namaste, Mike. Salutations to you. Um, you've had a fairly busy summer of it. It's just winding down now. Among other highlights, you've been part of the End of the Road Festival uh, yes. out in the UK. You helped out with Quiet Lights Festival alongside Keelan, who we interviewed last week. What are your thoughts on the summer that it's been kind of? Been good, yeah. I felt like it was important to come on the podcast this week to give my side because I know Keelan gave his side last week. But this yeah. no, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, it's been here. it's been a summer. It's been a year, um, and I don't really. I wouldn't say it's winding down. I feel like I had at uh, the day coming back from the UK, and I've just been like straight back into work since, which is nice. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not slowing down anytime soon. You've got some gigs coming up this weekend with uh, the Good Room. Yes, indeed. Um, we have well, Nick Mulvey's playing up in the church, and then I'm putting on my first show with them, uh, which is Cal Falger Days, The Woods and Grandma, which is a beautiful show. It's a verbatim opera, pop operetta uh, based on an interview between uh, Lady Gregory's granddaughters which sounds very convoluted, but it's such a beautiful show. Um, and the Cal just has a beautiful way with melodies and um, song writing in general. So uh, it's it's lovely. And then there's some, like an all-star band playing. Uh, you've got Phil Christie on the keys and then you've got Nick Boone on guitar. So it's going to be a really lovely show. And it's also happening at Rebel Reads. I feel like it's, I think it might be one of the first shows that's happened there. I think it's the first. Yeah, so we're going to uh, see how it works as a space. I think it's going to be lovely for that show. So it's also very limited capacity. So yeah. please buy your tickets. Available please. at? uticket.ie. On what date? 
It's Saturday, the 22nd of September. Tickets are 10 euro in advance or 12 on the door. Get right in. Available at uticket.ie. We'll talk a little bit more about Cal Folger Day and we'll hear from her toward the end of the show. But as is kind of custom uh, throughout the podcast, let's go a little bit into your background as a musician and arts facilitator. We heard from the other half of the Southern Hospitality Board last week in Keelan and his kind of formative experiences uh, in getting to run shows and generally putting in the hours. Yourself, you have a similar upbringing in that you started running gigs at a relatively young age. How did you come into running shows in the first place and what were your formative experiences with trying to make stuff happen locally? Oh, that's a big question. So I I keep saying like, I've been I've been putting on shows for, I've been working in, vaguely around this industry for like 10 years now because um, I put on some really awful all-ages gigs when I was like 16 and 17. And then after that... Um, I was in college, I went to CSN, that's where I met Keelan and a host of other amazing people. Um, and after that, I went straight into working at the pavilion. So I'd like put on a few shows that, to that point, but like really didn't have a clue what I was doing. I was just like chancing my arm, loads of like false confidence in myself. And then uh, once I left uh, CSN, like literally two months later, I was in the PAV uh, as their PR and production manager. And their, big jump. It, it really was. <laughs> they put a lot of faith in me, which is very nice of them. But uh, they're like, like you know, um, learning from Stevie, Joe and Pat, um, they really have had a really good ethos in how they ran shows. Um, it was all about the experience of the audience and the artists and just making sure that everyone was having the best experience. And that's something that I feel like I've kind of carried through um, putting on shows to this day. And the caliber of shows that happened when myself and Keenan were working there and everyone else it was just it was incredible like I really didn't know at the time how lucky I had it and how mm. much like full-on experience I was getting in that time um so it was great it was really lovely when something good is happening you assume it's just always going to continue like this because you don't <laughs> kind of know any better and like for those of us that have been around you know music for about 10 years or so maybe toward the tail end before the crash really started happening there was some good stuff happening and there were the opportunities and then when things really started hitting the fan and venue closures started happening it was then that you kind of put what you had gleaned so far to the test in terms of you know how you could run shows and finding other venues and so on and so forth and just generally mm -hmm. kind of keeping an infrastructure going for, for for running gigs and for putting on things that you wanted to see happen so yourself and Keelan uh, graduated from Colossus de Fonefa. Yeah, but he did he did the first year and then I did went on and did the second and third year. Okay. You know, like it's a course that is um aimed outwardly at, you know, providing an understanding of commercial music and it kind of it, it leans on its reputation of producing people like Sinead Lohan, like Mick Flannery, etc. So and I mean the O Emperor Boys as well. And the O Emperor Boys, my apologies. Four out of five of them went there. What was it like to be kind of in that musical petri dish surrounded by all of these supports and all of these things that you were picking up in that kind of academic environment? and how that kind of influenced yourself and Keelan going forward as professionals? Well, I'll talk for myself uh, in how it influenced me, but like I, I, I really got a lot out of CSN because like I grew up in the north side and like I didn't really have, I had like really good friends there, but like they, you know, I didn't have anyone else that listened to the same music I did or like, you know, engaged with music in the same way I did. Uh, like it was, it was always just like anytime I started talking about music, people were like, "Oh, there goes Ashton again." So yeah. yeah. So I, um, when I went to CSN, I just remember being like blown away by the fact that everyone knew as much, like if if not more than I did, and that 
it was somewhere that I was really going to be able to like take in music and uh, experience it. Um, and as well, like I've never, I'll never have a situation again where I was able to play as much music as I did there. Cause like we had like rehearsals as part of our, as part of our curriculum. So you had to rehearse like five times a week. And I, I've never, <laughs> I've never done that since. Um, so it was, uh, it was great. And then just like, yeah, so mainly for me, CSN was about like, giving myself a few years to kind of learn as much as possible but also um also just to get me people who knew who who had the same interests as me and then also realizing that like there's there was so much more out there than the small little part of music I connected with fast forward to maybe the dying days of the pavilion <laughs> uh where yourself and Keelan are helping close the place up for the final time and you're talking about what's to be done with a couple of gigs that are kind of left on your slate. And this is the birth of the Southern Hospitality Board. Yes. Keelan yes. did tell his side of the story last week. Yeah, uh, here's the real you... side. This is the truth, no, no, he, okay, he told, cool. no, he told it the right way. So basically, yeah, that was the Sunday night. Like we all, I found out on the Sunday that the place was closing and then we all stayed there all night, even though uh, like there was a big gang of us. It wasn't just myself and Keelan. It was like the whole family because that was like one of my favorite things about the pavilion was like our family that we had there. Um, and we, when Joe told me, my I was obviously upset because it had been such a big part of my life up until for the, for that like the, pretty much three years I was there. Um, I spent most of my time there, as anyone who knew me during that time would know. <laughs> so um, we, my my reaction to Joe telling me was like, well, I was like, I have to put on those gigs. And at that time, it was girl band, it was Eamon Dunes, and it was uh, my name is John and God knows, and then. When I went back in to talk to everyone, I was like chatting to Keelan and I was like, I have to do these shows. I don't know how I'll do it, but I'll figure it out. And then he was like, I'll help you. And then that's what happened. So we kind of like, uh, we took a few weeks trying to figure out and we went and chatted to Jimmy, who was so good. Jimmy from Plugged, who was so good to us at that time and like was just like, I'll help you whatever you need. And then, yeah, we ran like crazy, crazy shows like, you know. My name is John and God knows who then became Russ and Gano family afterwards because they had Murdy with them as well at the time. They just hadn't really formed the Russ and Gano family yet. That was insane. And uh, then Eamon Dunes as well was like such a gorgeous show and it was something like um, the agent was so good in that process because like obviously I emailed him and was like, well, actually the venue is closed down so we're going to have to reconfigure. And he was really like really understanding at the time because he could have just been like, right, let's cancel it. But he was like, no, no, let's try and make this happen. Um, and then with girl band then I just like you know rang the lads and I was like so <laughs> this Ugh. is happening but we figured it out and we did three amazing shows I'm really proud of them um, we actually bumped into Eamon Dunes at uh, End of the Road a few weeks ago and I was like I was like do you remember that show and he was like yeah, he says he wants to come back to Ireland um, but he hasn't so come back to Ireland Eamon Dunes we'll talk a little bit more about what Southern Hospitality Board has achieved in the years since but first, we'll go to some music. Ashling, you have picked a playlist for us this week. And earlier on, we heard from Micro Disney and Shukra. But now we're taking it to Yankee uh, with Lander. Yeah, Yankee, like, one of my favourite bands at the moment. They're so incredible. And, like, there's obviously, there's only, like, three tunes out at the moment. But uh, I'm very excited to see what's going to come out of uh, Graham Cooney's head over the next while. Um, and I think... Some, actually, someone on Twitter, CMAT, made a very good point about this, that like if if uh, if Yankee was based in Dublin, then R.E.R.R.E. would have been the song of the year. Yeah. But it is still my song of the year, but I picked his new tune, Lander, just to, you know, change things up a bit. 
We also have Laurie Shaw with one of his um, groovier uh, excursions. Yeah, I love this. Walking. I love this stuff. I've ne- I've, 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 I remember booking for a show before and I was like, do the stuff off. <laughs> I suppose he's got so much material. It's hard for him to, I don't even know how he'd go about putting together a set list, but I loved this Laurie Shaw album, My Girlfriend the Klansman, because it just like, it went weird. It went into like hip hop and like there's one song where he's rapping, but this one I loved because it's just a really good tune, a really good bop. We'll get straight into it. So this is Yankee with Lander here on Red on Red.
Shaw with Voidwalking here on Red on Red still joined in studio by Ashling O'Riordan and Ashling, we were talking just before the jump about your experience in Southern Hospitality Board and that's parlayed itself into production experience on other projects going forward the biggest of which is the annual End of the Road Festival in the UK maybe take us into how you got involved and what your role encompasses. Yeah, so four years ago, um, the end of the road do this like open call for artist liaisons because they're volunteers over the weekend and they have like five people per stage. There's four stages. Um, so four years ago, my good friend Emer Donovan got on to me saying, she's like, I'm going to apply for this, you should apply as well. 
Um, and then we both we both got in. What I love about End of the Road is that um, they put a lot of effort into taking care of people, whether it being the artists or the punters. I feel like like the reason that it sells out pretty much every year is because of the care they give to their their punters. And like you see people walking around and they're all wearing like on the first day they'll all go buy their end of the road t-shirt and then they're wearing it for the whole weekend or they're all wearing like t-shirts from like six or seven years ago. It's like it's it's a little bit of a cult, but like in a good way. It's a good cult. But um so I started working on uh, at the big top stage and then the next year I was at the garden stage and then Last year I was at the wood stage um, and then what happened this year is that there was a good few people who were like, I'm just going to take a year off and come to the festival. Well, what happened is they, they, they had to completely reconfigure everyone on the team. So because like generally it's always the same people that come back, um, which is a lovely thing for me as well, because I get to see these people like once a year and hang out. So um, so then they asked me or at the start of the year, would I be interested in doing this like artist liaison intern role where I'd move to London for August, work in the office and then go down on site and be kind of working in the the artist liaison office as opposed to on a stage. Um, so, which was lovely. It was really nice to go to London for a few weeks and just be somewhere else for a while. And so a lot of my role was like advancing all the artists and... Maybe explain advancing. Oh yeah, artists. advancing. Basically you just email people and ask them loads of questions that they don't answer for weeks upon weeks and then you keep following up with them until they do answer. That's advancing in a nutshell. <laughs> and Often on the weekend of a festival. Yes, yes, there was a lot of that. Uh, but, uh, and then like buying riders, which was just uh, for 105 bands was like head melting but also like a really interesting process um and then on the weekend then it's like a lot of putting out fires um which are inevitable with festival work but uh yeah it was great i love them they're just such a lovely team they are a lovely crew of people and then it's um like pretty much every band on the lineup is one i wanted to see now i didn't really get to see anything this year but that's okay uh there'll be other years for me to see stuff and how does your annual excursion inform your work when you invariably come back home kind of into a new college year with kind of bigger <laughs> gig attendances? Uh, it just, it's it's really nice to just get out of your um, your environment once a year and go somewhere else. It's almost like I call it summer camp because that's what the weekend feels like. It feels like summer camp because you're hanging out with all these people you only see once a year and you... Um, you know, they always promise me they're going to come visit, but they never do. It's fine, whatever. And it's the way of things. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, yeah, it just completely re-energizes me for uh, coming back here and getting stuck into the winter season. So um, this year, not so much because I was doing a lot more work <laughs> this year. I feel a bit exhausted after it, but like, like I am revitalized in some way. Just before the jump, we were also talking about your time in CSN and how it affected you as a as a creative and you know aside from maintaining a busy schedule as a an artist liaison as a producer promoter uh, jack of all trades you also play in morning veils a three-piece that also features elaine howley from the altered hours and rosalind steer maybe bring us into how that began and kind of the process really of working with music that is so I, like i've heard it referred to as doom folk or <laughs> other things that's good I like that. Um, yeah, I. So I, I can't remember when exactly we started. Maybe it was like around 2012. Um, Elaine approached me. Uh, she'd done a gig with Roz as Elaine Howley solo. Mm. 
um, supporting someone in Gulf's Cafe that Mary Kelleher had put on. And then she approached me being like, um, I'd love for you to play with it, play on this. And I was like, uh, yeah, because I, I love Elaine Howley. I love Rosalind Stewart too. I love them all. But it was like, I was just like, yes, this is the thing I want to do. Because I had been playing with other bands that hadn't gone amazingly. And I'd kind of I'd gotten to that point where I was like, I don't want to play anymore unless it's something I really want to do. Um, and this was like my kind of, I feel like Elaine kind of pulled me out from the edge um, with playing music. And really, uh, during like at the start of Morning Bells, it really like um, changed the way I see playing music with people because the bands I played in previously had been a bit more commercial and a bit more focused on, I don't know how to put it, like they're focused on things that maybe weren't exactly the music. Yeah. <laughs> That's shade. And, uh, <laughs> and, then when I was playing with Elaine and Roz, I was like, oh my God, this is like, it, it took me a while to adjust. It really did. But the they were very patient with me. And um, yeah, I loved it. I love it. I love it always when we play. It's um, it's 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 also like something where like we've all we've all said that we've played our worst gigs with Morning Veils, but like we've also played like amazing gigs. But it's just like it, it's always a bit like up in the air as, as to like how we're going to feel after a live show but I love that as well I love that excitement and that uh, doom feeling um, but yeah um, a lot of, like Elaine and Roz would write a lot of the songs and then we'd all come together and collaborate on the music um, and it just I just I felt like that my before when I felt like my ability was always questioned and my musical knowledge was questioned this time it was just like I could be exactly who I was in that situation and that was like a really lovely thing there's nothing like being in that space after years of self-doubt etc yeah and like external doubt as well, well <laughs> some of it was self and some of it was external but um, it's easier to dial out external stuff however that's the that, that's always yeah, the key yeah yeah so it's uh, yeah it's been it's, it's a lovely process and like we haven't gotten to play or practice a lot in the last like year and a half because um, Roz is doing a PhD and um, but I'm kind of looking forward to seeing when when we're going to get back and and play music together because I I feel like we're not done yet you know yeah. we've got more to say or something. <laughs> but that's also informed other projects that you've been involved in such as Hex which is an improvisational uh, act that is all female mm. which includes obviously a, a big Venn diagram of personnel with morning veils depending on who's available yeah well uh, that's it's easy to have a big Venn diagram when there's only three of you in the band you know well <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> but um, yeah no Hex was just something that came out of like uh, I think all of us wanting to be better or just wanting to get more practice at improvisation because I think it's something that we all felt was like uh, something that we didn't feel we were involved in and um and something that we all want to because I think improvisation is really important and I think it's it's something that can it can be really hard to be confident at it so Hex was like I don't think I, like it was never really meant to be like a live band it was just supposed to be us like jamming and then, it, then people started booking us and we we're like yeah we'll do gigs so I always feel a bit like I love Hex I really do I think it's a really lovely project but uh, I always feel a bit like when people come see us I'm like I don't know what it's going to be I don't know if it's going to be good but sure you can see anyway but that's the fun of improv as well I suppose so yeah it's lovely I just like um it's something I want to do as well this winter is just play more music with people. Uh, so yeah, anyone out there, I'm open to playing music <laughs> with with people. But uh, I, yeah, it was just nice to play with uh, with these people that I like really respected musically and um, and just to see how it would work 
and see how different people work, you know. You're also playing in The Creeps, which we discussed last week with Keelan. Oh, yeah. And its <laughs> roots as kind of a post-Me Too zombie crooning thing that it is. Yeah. I mean, what's your take on it? Um, I don't know. So I kind of came into The Creeps pretty late. They'd pretty much like formed and then I was like, I just came up to Keelan and I was like, I need to sing in this band. Like, I want to do backing vocals. Like, they, they were they were already after doing a practice and everything and I was just like, no, no, I want to do that too. Uh, for me... The Creeps is like um, it's it's way too much fun because it's a it's a total performance like from start to finish like I'm someone else like I'm and I I kind of do that I get to do that a little bit with other acts but like with the Creeps it's like I'm playing a character for the whole time and it's incredibly fun because uh, like and and also again getting to play music with like all of these people that like like Dermot and Kate and Owen who I hadn't played music with before it's a, it's a treat um, and we just have so much fun with it like it's like every so often I'm just like this is stupid but it's also brilliant like so yeah I um, the line I'm, is thin between those two in fairness yeah well we we, we just cross it the whole time <laughs> into stupidity and back I think the height of that was when we did uh, we did a raffle in the middle of our Paddy's Day gig and it was <laughs> yeah it was um, it was way too much again too much fun so yeah um, I think we're we're doing Friday of the jazz in the Roundy There'll be more details of that in the next few weeks, I'm sure. But we're doing, I think we're doing, yeah, we're doing that. We're doing a, a jazz weekend show. So it'll be like our first birthday. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, The Creeps to me is just something like where I just get to like have a laugh. I get to like explore a different part of myself that I don't get to in my day to day. My inner creep. Um, yeah, and it's just great. But speaking of exploration, aside from creativity and production, which are again, other segments of the brain that kind of have to be accessed, at different times. Uh, you're also a curator of the audio arts with your show on Dublin Digital Radio, Quiet Angry Women. Uh, DDR has been doing God's work really for hmm. the underground regarding uh, online radio in the country for the last 18 months. Listen.dublindigitalradio.com for those of you that are so inclined. Uh, maybe take us into your experiences with assembling you know, a show, what goes into curating music, themes that are discussed and the recording of it. Yeah, well, actually, uh, it's uh, we've myself and Ruse have actually in the last week have decided to not do quite angry women anymore, um, and I'm going to be doing a new show in the next few weeks. I just haven't figured it out yet. But uh, yeah, quite angry women is is uh, one of the fav- my favorite things I've done over the last uh, two like year and a half. I think it's about a year and a half that we lasted. But um, the whole idea came from a conversation I was having with Ruth and other female friends about um, female anger. And like how anger is received and how ang- like female anger is received and how it's not acceptable and how we have to just hide it. And like the biggest example of that for me musically was with um, Solange's album, A Seal at the Table. When you like listen, when you listen to something like Don't Touch My Hair, you hear all these like, you know, mini Ripperton inspired kind of ethereal sounds. But when you listen to the lyrics, they're very direct, they're very pointed and they're very angry. So it just made me think about how um, how female anger and female dis- displeasure has been hidden in really like boppy songs over forever, pretty much forever, and how like how we how we're intelligent and how we hide. So the first uh, the first one was on was International Women's Day, twenty seventeen, and that was all based around this idea. But then. I was talking to Ruth and I was like, do you want to do this with me? Because I'd love to just do a, a, like a bigger show and do it every couple of weeks and uh, 
kind of based around the two of us chatting, the two of us just playing our favourite songs. And like, you know, we, we kind of picked a loose theme of like powerful tunes by powerful women, just to give ourselves a little bit of scope on it. And uh, it's, yeah, it was such a fun thing because uh, it really made me like find loads of new music. It really made me better at um, listening to new music, which I'd gotten quite bad for at the time. And uh, it, yeah, it was great. And Dublin Digital Radio are absolutely brilliant. You literally just mm. go to them with any idea and they're like, yeah, cool, here's your slot. And they support you so much and they're just such a lovely community. Um, yeah, so. I mean, it's important for not only expression and not only for a kind of a plurality of media offerings, but it's important for people that maybe don't fit the remit of bigger media broadcasting mm. organisations to have that space to either wholesale pursue what they want to pursue musically and thematically, etc. Or else get the chops up and figure out how they're maybe going to progress onto other things, which has happened from Yeah, completely. And I think it's great now because there's a lot more people collaborating. So they did this thing uh, last week with the, the Dublin Fringe Festival where they oh, had yeah. kind of like these online shows where um they had they commissioned three different pieces um and i think they they i think there's one still uh, on at the moment but i think probably everything will be podcast on their mixcloud their mixcloud is like a, just a heaven of shows as well mm. like if you're stuck for something to listen to but um yeah so it's interesting to see how online radio can become a, a part of a theater festival or become something else so and i think that there there's just the the core group um, and everyone involved really they're just really dedicated to um, delivering like really interesting shows and I think the space that they allow around people just like allows people to do their best work um, and uh, and just having like a place where you can like you know you can play a Rihanna tune or else you can play like a really industrial house tune and they're um, they'll accept them in the same ways so yeah Speaking of tunes, we'll get back to some more from the plays that you've chosen for us there. Elaine Malone with you, taken from her brand new Land EP. Yeah, I love this song so much. Like, I, yeah, it's um, it's such a tune. And I'm really, like, it's really cool to see Elaine, how Elaine has grown over the last year and how she's really just, like, she's so steady in herself as a performer now. And I really think that the EP and her body of work so far is really is really representing that. Uh, the video for Mindless is absolutely beautiful if you haven't watched it. Released last week. Um, and features some incredible other talent from Cork in Emma Pavon and uh, Mary Callagher and Oriane. And it, um, yeah, she, I'm just, yeah, I'm very, I'm very in support of Elaine. <laughs> and another Cork throwback with Trumpets of Jericho with nothing to get up for from 2010, 2011. Yeah, pro- yeah, around that time, yeah. not, from not an uh, what's it called again, an album, but not really. An I album, think that, but not co- called not really. I'll have to yeah. d- double check the metadata there. What we're but it's uh, it's one of my favorite albums from that time. It really reminds me of the Pav, and because uh, they sounds played like their, an album, but it's not really. Sorry, sounds like an album, but it's not really. Um, it's great. It's brilliant. I'm a big Trumpets of Jericho fan. Always will be, and I. We'll continually go back to this album every couple of months. We'll get straight into it. So this is Elaine Malone with you here on Red on Red.
Trumpets of Jericho with nothing to get up for here on Red on Red, joined in studio still by Ashling O'Riordan. Last week we were talking with Keelan about the development of Quarter Block Party and you've been a central part of it, coordinating music um, and just generally taking care of the live music billing. Talk to us from your perspective about how Quarter Block Party came together initially, kind of how the approaches were made on your end and your role in terms of curating music, venue liaisoning, etc. Yeah, so I I had kind of been, I'd gone to a lot of the quarter events when they were happening and one or two times I'd help out on the day, that kind of thing. And I've done sound for a couple of the makeshift ensemble shows. So I was in, I was kind of very much on the outside of that whole process. Um, so when Esther came to myself and Keelan about kind of doing this festival together along with Rory Donovan, we kind of like we're like okay cool we just started Southern Hospitality Board and we're still like finding our feet with that and we're like okay cool we'll we'll do this this will be really interesting and like the first year as Keenan was saying like we just we had no idea what we were doing but we we did we did a really good job we just kind of like um in the same vein as like putting on shows we just kind of were like right let's do it and then learn and continually just try and learn from what's happened uh, good and bad and everything in between. Over the years of Quarter Block Party, like I've really, like has, I've learned so much uh, because like as well as like programming the music, um, myself and Keelan do a lot of like the the production work on it as well. So of making things happen. Um, and it, it really is like a labor of love. And um, it's something that, uh, like I've had my ups and downs with it, but like I really do, enjoy the weekend and that's kind of like always my idea of a programming any kind of music it's like something I want to go see um and that can seem quite selfish but I think that that's the best curation because uh, if someone kind of like trusts in your taste then they're going to like say okay well I, I like this thing so then I'll go see these other two bands that I don't really know about and I love to be I love being able to do that I love being able to like pick a band that um maybe have done a couple of gigs and um like even Yankee, like Yankee last or this yeah. year, they did their first gig at Quarter Block Party and it was amazing. It was so good. And everyone singing along to Are You Alright was just such a beautiful moment. First big platform as well that were given to bands like Pow Pig and God Alone last year. Yeah. And I'll well, see what they've done in the last one. They've years. just surpassed us. They've surpassed us by that point as well. I love the two of them so much. Like when I remember when I met the Pow Pig uh, band uh, girls, I was just like, oh my God, I love them so much. They're so good. Um, I wish I wish I had like their confidence now yeah. <laughs> as a twenty-seven-year-old, um, but uh, yeah, like I just I I suppose like I don't really see it as those things, which makes it easier to program. I just see it as like right, I'm gonna program music for this venue, music for this venue, and uh, I try and find stuff that I think is interesting and maybe hasn't happened here. And what's great now is actually I feel like for next year. Like there's so many gigs happening now and loads of people are putting on new gigs which is great so I'm like oh cool well, they've done that so I don't want to be stepping on you know I, I it's challenging me to like look further again um and uh yeah yeah I love I'm, I'm excited for next year I'm excited I've got some like ideas off my sleeve that I'm I'm excited about no scoops you can give us now no because like nothing <laughs> nothing's been done about it yet so <laughs> if I give you a scoop it's not going to be <laughs> legit <laughs> maybe take us a little bit so into how from the outset, because again, a lot of people listening, etc., enjoy going to festivals, they enjoy partaking in it and have an idea of the process. But like from committee stage to Excel sheets to realisation, maybe take us through how planning for a quarter block party. Never really leaves Excel sheets. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, um, like what's great and what I love about working with Esther and Rory and Keelan is that like we all 
we all have the best interests of the festival at heart and like we just all really want to present really exciting work like I love I love when Rory sends his like this is the show I'm thinking of booking emails because I just get to it's something I never really get to engage with that much is like kind of like um, contemporary performance is the banner he put it under but a lot of it is like based around dance and stuff because he's a dancer so like I just love being able to see what he's brought to the table and then Esther always has this like this idea that I'm like always like up until like a few days before and I'm like but what is it and then it happens and I'm like oh this is amazing this is a beautiful thing that's happened so um yeah it's so we kind of I don't really know what the process is I don't I, I don't know if I can say because it's different every time um and it's never something that's definite but I know for me um like in the next few weeks I'll start looking at stuff and I'll start having the conversations with people about um what to do and we'll, we'll decide on venues and then because like a lot of it for me is more we pick the venues and we build the timetable and then I start booking people for time slots rather than the other way around because it's way easier to like book a band knowing like they're going to suit like 4pm on a Saturday afternoon that's the slot for them so yeah and then and then it will all happen I'm sure <laughs> as it always comes together it's always but like quite a block party for all the work that goes into it and for all the risks that are taken like just as somebody that goes along every year and as somebody that's written about it like I wasn't blowing smoke up Keelan's hoop last week when I was saying that Quarter Block Party is my favourite festival mm. because it is regardless about you know weekenders or, or big name events there's nothing like walking down from your house on Shandon right onto North Main Street and seeing people that you know rushing from one place to another to get to something yeah, or it's to see some nook of North Main Street that you wouldn't normally take notice of being occupied and filled with art and something to engage with. And like, there's a certain magic that descends upon it that isn't, you can't really necessarily replicate any place else. Like it's that perfect kind of amalgamation of Cork's historic spine and mm. the willingness to do something with it at a time of the year where it isn't, you know, yeah, thank you. That's necessarily very nice. busy. That's very nice to say. Um, like, yeah, I think that's what we want to achieve. We just want to have put on an exciting weekend for people that, they can engage with and yeah especially at yeah, that time of year is so bleak and so uh dark and it's like even like normally normally in in this business you probably wouldn't work in january but like that's now my busiest month of the year because of quarter block party and it's great to have that as something to work towards because i'm definitely the kind of person that if i don't have anything to work on i go a bit crazy mm. so um it's good to have that at that time Speaking of being kept in work, though, outside of your work with Southern Hospitality and with Quarter Block Party, you've also taken on roles with The Good Room, Joe yeah. and Ed. And that's your main preoccupier now, more so than anything else. Yeah, uh, at the moment, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a couple of hours a week with them. It's lovely because uh, obviously I worked for Joe in the pavilion and Ed would have been in there a bit as a promoter. So it's really nice. They're a great team. They're like so good as a team together. And... Uh, they also like love each other as well, which is really lovely. So I'm going to embarrass them now. <laughs> but it's it's a lovely team to be a part of because uh, this, they're they're doing they're doing so many shows before the end of the year. It's crazy. I had a look at the list the other day and I was like, oh my god. But it's um, they're really open to ideas. They're they do things really professionally and like they're really on top of their shit and. Um, yeah, and then even it was lovely because like I worked on It Takes a Village with them earlier this year, which is like 
one of the craziest weekends of my life, but also one of like the most fun and the most ridiculous. Um, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> I know it wasn't stupid. I'm joking. No, it was. It was great. It was brilliant, and we did it. Like we did it. We did what we set out to achieve. Um, and yeah, it's really it's lovely to be part of their team, and they've always been very good to me in terms of work and stuff. So. We'll talk a little bit more about what you have coming up with The Good Room after we come back from some more tunes. Um, a little bit of a cork psychedelic love-in next with The Altered Hours with Open Wide. Yeah, I love this song so much. Ever since they brought out that like live video, I think it was pressed recorded like yeah. two years ago. Oh my God, I just had it on repeat the whole time. So when I found it was going to be on the EP, I was just, I was very happy. Very, very happy. Yeah, I'm a huge, like, I love The Altered Hours. I really do. They're so brilliant and they're so great. And they're such good people and they're such good friends. Like yeah, they're right look people. No, I'm joking. They're the best. <laughs> they are the best, really. We also have some more Elaine Howley related music with uh, Crevice and Ankylus taken yeah, from their album. I love album. that album so much. In Heart, it's just... It's one of my favourite albums of the year. I think it was it released this year? It was it last year? Uh, late last year. All right, I'm going to say it's my favourite album this year. <laughs> it's just something that stuck with me and... It, especially this tune it's very um, it's got like tinges of R&B in it which I really like um, and it's yeah they're just they're great they're a great bunch of people we'll get straight into it so this is the Altered Hours with Open Wide here on Red on Red It's how you lie. It's how you lie. It's how you lie. 
Crevice with Ankylus here on Red on Red. Just before we wrap up this week's episode, Ashling, there's a busy weekend ahead of you. First of all, on Friday night, myself and yourself will be at the Roundy for Cork Loves Music, the opening of what we've come to term as a season two of the talks and performances events. And we're kind of talking a little bit about the state of the nation, so to speak. 
Mm. Sorry, the state of the People's Republic, rather, um, on music and kind of venue turnover and where can we all go next as musicians. So that's free to get into at eight o'clock at the Roundy. Ashling, maybe kind of let us in a little bit about what you're, what's kind of informing what you'd like to talk about. I'm not 100%, I haven't really settled 100% yet on what I'm going to chat about, but I think it's going to be just around um, my experience of the last few years working on a few different projects and just like seeing what's happened in other places because I've been doing a bit of work in the UK. Um, and outside of Cork um, and just seeing how any of those things might influence Cork mm. but yeah I do think the Cork's doing a lot better than everyone thinks it is in terms of music maybe everything else we're like which is kind of maybe more important is uh, falling on its arse like yeah. housing you know exactly but all of those things are intermittent as well in completely that, yeah you know the venue turnover situation has kind of abetted and that there's one or two more spaces that mm-hmm. have been open so the, the pressure is off there but then right into that where a musician's supposed to stay the balance of maintaining full-time jobs if you know music work isn't available for an individual mm-hmm. and just how all of this has kind of come together which is why you wanted to talk widely about where next for mm-hmm. Cork Music so that's at the Roundy on Friday night we'll also have uh, Declan Sinnott talking about Rebel Reads and the foundation of a collaborative space as well as Shane Horan uh, photographer for Golden Plec talking about looking at the development of a community through a lens we'll also have musical performances from Museum Lyite Lyite and Jake O'Ridden that's Culture Night this Friday at the Roundy um, more information available on CorkCultureNight.ie then Ashling on Saturday night you've got a busy one at Rebel Reads with Cal Folger Day and collaborators you mentioned it at the top of the show maybe talk a little bit about what you're looking forward to regarding working with Cal Folger Day oh what isn't there to look forward to she's a dream um, I'm really looking forward to seeing the show again because I saw it last year as part of the Fringe Festival when it was like the full production um, and then we had her do like a solo version of it uh, as part of Quarter Block Party earlier this year um, so I'm looking forward to seeing this kind of like this other production of it because like what's really cool about what Cal has done with this project which I'll mention again is a, a verbatim pop operetta based on uh, a RT interview between um, Lady Gregory's two granddaughters talking about their experience growing up in Cool Park and um, their experience of just being around all these incredibly uh, creative people uh, but it's cool to see how Cal kind of just like uh, makes it work size-wise, like whether it's just her on her own or her with um, with different players. So, um, and I, I think those puppets are involved part of, as part of this performance too. So, exciting. I mean, it really does kind of suit that space in terms of, you know, when you think of puppets and in a bookshop, you kind of just think of like, you know, the little puppet shows you would have gone to see as a youngster in a library, etc. And there's that kind of sense of familiarity that mm. I think Rebel Reads is striving to establish with the people of the city. Uh, one more blast for where tickets can be gotten, how much in? They are, tickets are 10 euro in advance and 12 euro on the door and you can get them from uticket.ie. And this is your first co-production with The Good Room? Yeah, well. it is, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm kind of planning on doing a couple more shows with them over the next while. Nothing can be announced right now, but just keep an eye on the page. There'll be some stuff coming for next year. And I'm also, they want to do some more shows out of the Live of St. Luke's remit, so mm. I'm going to be helping with them with that. That's all from this week's episode of Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like what you're hearing, please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and now Google Podcasts, as well as other podcasting platforms. Please share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig. 
And if you'd like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM, 104 to 106. Ashling, you're leaving us with Cal Folger Day's Rockin' Chair. Yeah, so there she will be bringing out an album of the, sh- the Woods and Grammar show in the next couple of months. And I've heard some of the tracks and they sound amazing, but they're not mixed yet. So I'm going to play one of Cal's older tunes, which is called Rocking Chair. Rocking Chair. Yeah, Rocking Chair. <laughs> uh, and it's great. I just think it really gets across um, Cal's like commitment to a really good melody. Savage, thanks a million for joining us in studio for this afternoon, Ashling O'Reardon. Namaste, Mike. This is Cal Fogger Day with Rock and Chair. This has been Red on Red, and we'll talk to you next week.
Red on Red.